0: Take your outlines out of your bulletin, if you're not. Actually, you don't have to follow the outline, but, I mean, you can just look at me. (laughs) So um, I think it might be more fun to have an outline, anyway, to look at. It'll help you, and uh, I think to follow me, especially when I read some scriptures. But I'm going to to teach uh, this morning about the theme, Jesus Heals Peter's Denial Wound. Peter is a quite popular person among the disciples. When you think about who is your favorite, one of your favorite people in the Bible, I think often people will say, I think they they like Peter because they uh, Peter would know and understand what it's like to make a promise and not keep it. And so, and we know at least in our lives that we have failed Jesus and uh, and. I'm not sure that we've ever made a promise like Peter did. You know, others may run away, but not me. I'm going to keep my promise to love you and to follow you. As we look at it, we'll see that, uh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let's stay a little bit with just this uh, introduction to the whole idea. It's how do we handle uh, a wound in our life that that needs healing, and how can we help other people when they go through huge wounds like that, this one, or simple painful wounds? And as I've taught you before, there are two kinds of trauma, or two kinds of wounds that we can experience in a life. The first one is a I call it a trauma, which would be the absence of good things. This trauma trauma is actually harder to identify. Like, and we know when something bad happened to us. But when we're missing something we didn't even know we could have, that would be an absence of something that's really necessary in our lives. But <clears throat> we didn't experience it. So, and as I shared with you before, that a trauma for me would be my father's death. I didn't know when I was seven years old what a little boy is supposed to have. So that's called a wound of absence. And I would say um, pretty much if we're human and we were raised by, raised by human people, we're gonna have some things that we didn't receive that we needed in our lives. So in one sense, uh, I think everyone has a wound, some kind of wound that needs healing. I also would say I think everyone has a father wound because of the wound of absence. None of us had perfect dads. And so, and the, and the lie of the father wound is I'm on my own. I have to show you, I can, I can do it. I can, I can make it happen. I can take care of myself. Because dad's not there. I have to do that. But <clears throat> when we think about Peter, kind of is a he's kind of a person who in some ways feels disqualified by his actions. And I, I wonder if you've ever felt, well, man, I wonder if this failure, I'm not worthy of God's love. You know, I've done something that 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 would keep God from loving me. Um I heard this phrase first time in my life uh, for my daughter Anne when she was in college and and she asked this question to a psychiatrist after she's battling depression and actually she and you know went into a hospital herself to get help because she didn't want to live and <clears throat> so after three days. Uh, We had a family meeting. I don't know if you've ever had a family meeting. That's pretty common with certain kinds of therapy. And so we're with the psychiatrist and my wife and I are there and my other daughter and sister. And she asks the the psychiatrist, am I fixable? And um, I think we've got people in our, maybe we don't ask that question, but we have people in our lives that are asking, am I fixable? And I think Peter might have been asking that question. What I'm going through is this, or what's happened in my life, is this fixable? And because I do a lot of counseling, inner healing prayer, I hear people tell stories that they're wondering, you know, am I fixable? Well, Peter, I think pretty well, when we see in the story, is asking that question. So what I'm going to teach on today is how Jesus... Prepares Peter for healing. So he doesn't start right with the denials. We all know that story of the three denials. There's some really good stories about Peter. What do you remember what Peter did? Well, he's, a, he's the guy that walked on water. That, be, that would look good on your resume. You know. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, you know. He was the one that said, you're the Christ, didn't he? Jesus when he asked who did he say I am and so we have, yeah, actually Peter did something else pretty wild, he had, didn't have the greatest name when he cut off a guy's ear, I don't know if he was aiming for more but that was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane well not the Garden of Gethsemane but it was after the Garden of Gethsemane so we have Peter's life that we know quite a bit about, details his brother's Andrew they're fishermen uh, then, of course, in, in our history as Christians, we have Peter preach after Holy Spirit comes after his denial and healing. He's the one that preaches the Sermon on Pentecost Acts too. Without this this story today, I'm going to tell you, it would be pretty hard for Peter to if, if preach that Pentecost sermon. Where would we be today without this healing that Peter experienced? So you probably have a story to tell in your life where you experienced healing. And that's why you're here today. Or that in some way, Jesus has come alive for you. So Jesus prepares Peter, this is his first point in your outline, for healing the trauma of dying, denying him three times and the loss of attachment and love and restores his true identity. Now, <clears throat> the story of Peter's healing really begins in the Last Supper. Because there Jesus feeds Peter, and it, it, he just longed, he said, and the, we read in the scriptures. He, he longed to have this meal with Peter. He wanted to be with him. Because we know, also know that Jesus knew what was coming. And so when he arrives in the upper room, he takes his table, place on the table with all the disciples, and he, and he says this, I've longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you before I endure my sufferings. And then after the meal, Jesus says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has sifted to all of you like sifted all of you as wheat. I have Simon <coughs> has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers." So here, Jesus is actually preparing for Peter's healing, because he's gonna he's speaking a word of hope to him, Peter that your denial is not going to be your trademark of who you are. I'm the one who denied Jesus. Oh, that would not be a good one. That's, you know, we do remember that about him, but we, we have much more to remember him than that. And Jesus didn't say he would not fail, but he says, when you, and, when, and if that happens, you're going to return. And this is the hope I have for you you're going to strengthen your brothers. And that's pretty much similar to what Jesus ends up saying, feed my lambs, when he talks to them later. So, the first step in, um, in these first steps, then, in healing of this trauma of Peter's life is to meet Peter and the other, there's about seven other disciples along, along the Lake of Galilee. And there uh, we have this uh, interesting experience where he helps him fish and catch some fish. You know, like, put your net on the other side. And there's another story. In Luke 5, where Peter realizes that this is Jesus when that happens to him. And he kneels before him. and He says, I'm not worthy, Jesus, to even follow you. So there are three things that Jesus does to, to, in a way to prepare Peter as a part of the healing story of his, healing of his denial. He meets him at the Sea of Galilee, and he had promised, I'm going to meet you there. And we see that later as we'll read it. And then... Uh, He he feeds him breakfast. And where does he feed him breakfast? By a charcoal fire. So we are looking for a charcoal fire. I'm not sure that quite fits, but that's why it's up there in terms of uh, image. We have a charcoal fire now where Jesus is feeding Peter. And there he... uh, in a way, he has another experience of being by a charcoal fire. But this time, there's no threat for his life. You know, he's not in trouble. He's not full of shame and fear like he was in that first charcoal fire. And so this is a memory that Jesus brings and, and, and creates for Peter so that'll help him to deal with the denial memory. And so when we pray for people, it's so helpful to know that... It, <laughs> And and when I pray for people, I always start with a positive memory, an appreciation memory. And I don't go right to the trauma. Um, In post-traumatic stress, people who deal with people who are in post-traumatic stress, the the main way of doing this is by kind of getting them to talk about it. And then what happens often is people get re-traumatized when they talk about it. or when we're listening, we get traumatized. this, the key here is for us when we're going to go for trauma that we have the strength of a memory of being grateful even. What are you grateful for in your life today? Where have you experienced God, felt close to God? So, uh, point three in your outline. Jesus predicts the three denials. And so, and these, are, these are familiar passages I'll read from your te- from the outline. This very night you will all fall away on account of me, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And he did, right? That's where he meets him. Peter replied, even if all fail away on account of you, I never will. Now my heart kind of breaks when I hear Peter say that. Lord, if ever, I, my love's stronger than anybody. I won't fail you. And I realize I've made some promises in my life. Not sure, quite like Peter. But if you think about it, have you made any promises that you haven't kept with someone who's important in your life? Um, when I was pastoring in, Law, in uh, Huntington Beach, after eight or nine years or so, forget. The uh, executive council met with me, and they said, "Joe, we want you to go half time." Well, the, the church had called me. You know, the council hadn't called me. As a full-time pastor, so and I immediately was pretty scared. What am I going to do? And they said, "We don't want you to tell anybody that we're doing this." So I didn't—I didn't promise, but I think they thought that you know I was promising them. I didn't say it out loud, but anyway, the first thing I did was to call up an elder. Or he's been an elder. he was a real estate guy, and I talked to him. I said, I need to sell my house because we we won't be able to afford a payment on it. And so he was so great, and he's wondering, well, why do you need to sell the house? Well, I told him. Well, I knew, man, I made a promise that they didn't keep it. So sure enough, one of the executive People called me. I said, "I'm so sorry, I did this. I didn't keep my promise." And she forgi- I asked for forgiveness. So here we have these uh, three denials that Jesus predicted, and Peter's saying, "I won't do it. I won't. I'm not going to." You know, Peter didn't even know what was inside him. He didn't. He didn't know what was in his heart, did he? He says, "I, I I'm, I'm going to love you. If any, nobody else does, I'm going to love you." It's pretty amazing. This guy doesn't realize how vulnerable he is. And he's going to be shamed by two little girls into denying him. And so sometimes we don't know what's in our heart. And I know that I've, it's like I didn't act like my best self when I was calling that real estate guy and and then telling him. And I was afraid. And I was anxious. But I, I, I saw that would be an example of where Peter, on a much deeper level, didn't realize, wow, I'm the kind of person that could do this. No, 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 not me. Not, I'm not that kind of person, Jesus. So we have then the three denials. Each of the Gospels gives us a detail that others don't give. So first of all, Peter's standing outside in the courtyard. The servant girl comes to him and says, I recognize you. You were with Jesus, the Galilean. Now that, you know, is because of his accent. They recognized his Galilean accent. Now because it was cold, the soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire. There it is. And were standing around to keep warm. So Peter huddled there with them around the fire in front of everyone. Peter denied it. Said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. First denial. Then the second one, later, as he stood the Near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I I know this man's a follower of Jesus, the Nazarene. Once again, Peter denied it and said, I tell you, I don't know the man. Third time, a little bit later, they're standing nearby, approached Peter. Those standing approached him and said, we know you're the one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech. Your Galilean accent gives you away. But one of the servants of the high priest, a relative to the man whose ear Peter had cut off, looked at him and said, wait, didn't I see you out there in the garden with Jesus? Peter denied it, and he said, using profanity, you might have used the F word. <laughs> so I did oh, well, that'll wake you up if I, <laughs> I mean, well, I call it an earthy word. I don't know what his profanity was, but he wanted to come high and, and emphasize with some intensity, this isn't, you know, I'm, I, I don't know the man. In that moment, the sound of a crowing rooster pierced the night. Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And with a shattered heart, Peter went out of the car- courtyard sobbing with bitter tears. What, what feelings do you think Peter is having with those tears? Name some feelings. Embarrassed, shamed, afraid, scared. maybe a little bit hopeless threat regret. regret wow disappointed in himself maybe disgusted at his own behavior so peter's why is you know why is he afraid well his his life is in danger actually they've just hauled jesus away to kill him and so there's a good reason to be scared and then, the you know, he's in this courtyard, and here's this relative of the guy who's eerie cut off. is, is a, He knows who he is. And that guy's not going to be real happy with Peter. Could be scared for that. He's not the hero he thought he was going to be. So then we have another text where Jesus, after these three denials, he walks out into the courtyard. And just as the time after the denial that he's walking out there, Peter... Um, Jesus walks by, and um, he looks him straight in the eye. Looks straight at Peter. You can imagine what were they in the eyes of Jesus. A lot of compassion, I think. Now it doesn't say, but when Jesus sees us, he sees us with compassion. When we sing that hymn, Holy, 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 one of my favorite phrases, only thou art holy. And when I realize what I'm capable of doing and my brokenness, I'm so grateful for the God's the one that's got the job of being holy. And he's got that one down. Only you are holy. So here we have then, in, <clears throat> is in point six, Jesus. What he does is a part of the healing restores attachment love for Peter, feeding him breakfast. And, and and so I did this before, but feeding Peter is a positive memory. Now, Peter's got a memory with Jesus by the Sea of Galilee, and and it's a charcoal fire, and it's going to trigger the charcoal fire experience, but it's going to be in a much safer setting. He's safe with Jesus being with him. And he's not afraid. And also, this is when Jesus is going to ask him the three times, do you love me? And there, as to, Also, there were three times that he denied him. So he helps Peter with a memory in a time when they were close. So that would trigger a memory being fed by Jesus uh, not just a charcoal memory, but a memory of the Last Supper when he felt so close to Jesus. Can you imagine the attachment love he was experienced? that sticky love that, that glues us to Jesus? And so you know the word trigger? You know, we get triggered easily. <laughs> I mean, I smell cinnamon rolls. I can get, I remember my mother's cinnamon rolls. Aromas trigger us, right? I hear the sound of a morning dove, and um, I can go right to my childhood. Anybody have that? Did you hear of the morning dove as a little a child? Um, when you start sharing a thank you, sometimes I do a grateful list, I'm grateful for this. Sometimes I have to tell people, but. I mean, uh, when you do the, say the grateful, period, because often there's a but that follows because, even a positive memory, what we're grateful for, can trigger, but right now I'm not I don't feel this right now. So it triggers and helps it reminds us that this is not happening, what I'm grateful for. So, number seven, Jesus heals Peter's broken heart and restores his true identity from the one who denied Christ to a lover of Jesus who is a shepherd. Each time Jesus asks the question in response to Peter's answer, he reminds Peter who he is. You know, Peter's thinking, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a betrayer. Jesus says, no, you're a lover. That's who you are. You love me. You're a shepherd. I feed my lambs. And you're not a betrayer. And so Peter asks, Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Notice he adds the first time "These, more than these. Well, why did he just say that? Well, kind of, this is kind of what Peter had said. More than these, more than anyone else, I love you. And Peter says, you know, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That's his heart. That's who he, he wants to be. That's, what, that's his real self, isn't it? That's who Peter is. I'm a lover of God. And that's who you are today. That's who you truly are. You are a lover of God. Now, when Peter does when he uses when he says, feed my lambs, he's saying you're a shepherd. That's your true self. And you're gonna, and that would be similar to you, you're the one that was gonna strengthen your brothers that I promised. Even you, though you thought you loved more than, me more than the rest, that actually isn't important. You don't. That's okay. You don't love me more than all the rest. That's okay. You're still going to feed my lambs. <laughs> Second question, do you love me? Peter responds, yes, Lord. You know, I have great affection for you. You've heard teachings on this before. Jesus is your word agape, agape. And Peter answers with another Greek word. Actually, it would be Aramaic. but So I'm not sure how that works out. But... He does his best to say, this is how much I can love you. I have great affection for you. And then finally, the third time Jesus asked, do you have great affection for me? He uses the word for love that Peter had used the first time. So he changes it from agape to phileo. The main thing there is Jesus accepts whatever he's capable of loving him at this time. And then Peter responds, You know, Lord, all things, I have great affection for you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. means you're a shepherd. You forgot who you were, Peter. (laughs) I'm going to remind you, this is who you are. So I thought, well, what would I do today if Jesus said, Joe, I love you. Do you love me? Now, (laughs) that kind of question is a heart question. It's not oh, okay. I choose to love you. Well, love really is not a choice in terms of agape love. It's a heart. It's a heart experience. You didn't choose to fall in love with the person you're married to, right? It's kind of like well, maybe you chose to love her, but you love this person from your heart. It happened before you figured it out. I mean, it was there. There was a bonding of attachment of your love. I want to be with that person, and so that kind of. Uh, Understanding of love uh, helps us experience the kind of love Jesus has for us. It's a love that connects us to our heart. And I will review then. Have you ever had Jesus ask you, do you love me? (laughs) I think, you see, it starts with, I love you, right? One John. We love God because he first loved us. So when I say, I love you, God, it's a response to God's love that he, he's put in my heart. And so I love you is, you know, when Jesus asked me, Joe, do you love me? I think it's important to remember he, he starts really in terms of my walk with him. I love you, Joe. Do you love me? And I thought, well, I could say I love you, Jesus. I, love, I want to love you more. <laughs> Point eight in your outline. This story helps us understand how Jesus heals trauma. So he begins by building memory bonds where we remember his love for us and our love for Jesus. That would be, a memory bond would be, when did you feel close to Jesus or like God was near you? You have a memory of that? Little memories of being grateful, appreciative. Remember when your faith first came alive? I was asked recently, Everybody in the room to, everybody share a story when I think they use the word got saved. It's a little question that's it's kind of hard for Lutherans, right? You maybe you've had a, a Baptist friend ask you, when did you get saved? And so, especially like in the Alpha course, rather than that question, and Alpha is used with Catholics too, it's, we use, ask the question, when did your faith come alive? Oh, yeah. When did you invite Jesus into your heart? And you have you have a memory when you did that? Um, that would be a positive memory, but it can be a quite a simple memory. For you know, for many of us, you know, so my, I first I don't remember this, but my, my salvation experience begins on July fourth, of nineteen forty-three, in Lake Mills, Iowa, at Saint Olaf Lutheran Church. <laughs> That's when I was baptized. I was six weeks old. Well, I'm I'm kind of a poster child that infant baptism works because, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not known in my life, any time that I've been without God, but I also needed to ask Jesus into my heart to say yes for myself. I want you in my heart. Uh, that discussion is maybe off a, a little bit, but uh, it is really a good question to be asked, when did your faith come alive? And so what we realize now in this story with Peter, and this is what we experience when we do a manual prayer, is that Jesus is with us when we are sinning. Jesus is glad to be with us when we're sinning. You know, when Peter looked at him, and he Peter was saw him after the denials, I think Jesus was still glad to be with him can not stop. Your sin and my sin can't keep Jesus from being glad to be with me. And so Emmanuel means, even though, see what happens in a trauma, it wouldn't be a trauma if I didn't feel alone. What makes an event a trauma is when I feel all alone. But So with the Emmanuel word for God, he's with us. What a, what a gift. Jesus, you're with me. And it really helps me to experience his love, to remember that. It didn't feel that way to Peter. So Jesus knew that. He was questioning himself. He'd said, I'm going fishing. I don't know anything about what it's like to be a disciple. I can't do that. I, I had a hunch. He said, I don't think I can I have what it takes. And I know I've asked myself, Do I have what it takes to be a pastor? And so I needed different ways, God, to remind me who I am. That's who you are, Joe. You're a pastor. You're a shepherd. And and then we need a place to hear God speak to us, like Peter did. In the safety of that breakfast along the Sea of Galilee, he experienced uh, Jesus' presence, and helping him be restored in his identity, in, in his denial, I mean, his and and restore his attachment, love. So, so I'm glad that Jesus. You know, think about one last thought. This is the third time Jesus has been with Peter. So there's two times Peter was with Jesus, and he didn't mention a word about the denial. <laughs> think about that. But it wasn't until the third time where he could have this breakfast memory and be fed again by Jesus and loved, that he brings up that denial. Actually, he didn't even bring up the denial. It was just, do you love me? I mean, that's what's in Peter's heart, though. It's, it would be triggered, look what, what I did. So I'm going to close with a healing prayer. If you close your eyes and, and um, take a, start with a couple of deep breaths, and I'll lead you through a healing prayer. really helps me if I'm going to be present to God, Uh, and I'm going to open my heart to Him just to take some deep breaths, breathe from my tummy, breathe slowly in and out. And Jesus, would you help each one of us to find a grateful memory when our faith came alive or when we felt close to you? It might just be a grateful memory for a friend or something that happened this past week. So I'll give you a minute to find a memory. you don't have a memory, you can just be right here in this room, sitting in this room, and talk to Jesus here. And tell Jesus what you're grateful for that happened in this memory. Actually, it might help to just notice any details, who's with you, what you're feeling. appreciations, and share with Jesus what's happening in this memory using as many details as you can. Then just pray this prayer silently. I open my heart to you, Jesus. Help me to be aware of your presence with me now in this memory or right now where I'm sitting. And tell Jesus what you're grateful for. The the gift that you received, and your faith came alive. It was so felt so good not to feel guilty for my sins. Whatever is happening to you in that memory that you're grateful for, to share it with Jesus. And then ask Jesus, what do you want me to know? You've just told him you're grateful. What is Jesus' response? We've done this before. It's called interactive gratitude. Where I listen to Jesus, what's your response when I share my gratitude? And then notice your first thoughts. more you want to share that you're grateful to Jesus for, in the memory especially. And if you like, you could say, I love you, Jesus. Or I want to love you. Thank you for receiving whatever love I have, just as I am. When you're ready, you can open up your eyes. So my encouragement for you is to share with a, a friend, your spouse, uh, what you experienced today, and just tell them any details that you can remember. Um, I, I'm not taking to your memory for healing of a trauma. I think it's a little bit too much to to do in this setting. But if you would like, I I do Emmanuel prayer. That's that's my that's my you know I do this kind of prayer all the time with people. And I do that on FaceTime or Skype or uh, or I can meet with you Sunday after church if you'd want to do this some more. Appreciate your tender love for me, and when I look into your eyes, I see compassion. Just like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing was, I think, I don't know if I answered what the psychiatrist uh, said to Anne when she said, am I fixable? Did I? No. This is the best part of the story. In a way, she said, he said, oh, yeah. You're fixable. And I'm going to help you. And that's the most important thing we can say to somebody who is depressed. We want to have hope for them, and I can help you. So thank you for a little addition to that message.